Have you ever had a question that you were afraid to ask? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, the 1963 nonfiction book entitled The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. Can I quote that book in the church? I think it's okay. Yeah. Is often credited as being a catalyst to the modern feminist movement in the United States. In essence, the, the book examined the general state of unhappiness of many middle-class American women in the 1950s and 60s. According to Friedan's research, a comfortable, predictable, suburban life wasn't giving all women the fulfillment they were expecting. The first chapter of her book entitled The Problem That Has No Name raised a question that resonated with many women across the nation. Frieden wrote, the problem lay buried, unspoken for many years in the minds of American women. There was a strange stirring, a sense of dissatisfaction, a yearning that women suffered in the middle of the 20th century in the United States. Each suburban wife struggled with it alone. As she made the beds, shopped for groceries, matched slipcover material, ate peanut butter sandwiches with her children, chauffeured Cub Scouts and brownies, lay beside her husband at night, she was afraid to ask, even of herself, the silent question, is this all? So have you ever had a question that you were afraid to ask? Well, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that the answer to that question for all of us is yes. All of us at one time or of another have had questions we were afraid to ask. I mean, maybe we didn't want to look stupid, right? Uh, maybe we didn't want to expose how little we actually knew about something. Uh, maybe we didn't really want to know the answer. Or maybe, like many of those women back in the mid-20th century no doubt feared, we thought that just having the question meant we were in some way a bad person. That asking it could lead us to being rejected or excluded or disqualified or unloved. Have you ever had a question you were afraid to ask? In particular, have you ever had a question about God, about faith, about the Bible that you were afraid to ask? And if you ask those questions, is there any room in our faith for answers that are a bit different from what we've always heard? Today is the first Sunday in Lent, which is the, the season in the church calendar that precedes Easter. And Lent is traditionally a time of examining our lives, examining our faith. It, it's a time of, of looking at how we're doing in our relationship with God and then turning toward him and drawing closer to God. Often people fast in some way during Lent. You know, we give up something we enjoy, maybe a certain number of meals or a certain type of food or uh, TV or some other entertainment, social media, whatever. It's not meant to be a form of penance or self-punishment. It's a way of creating space in our lives so that we can tune into God a little better. It's good practice, and I encourage you to make it a part of what you're doing this Lent. Well, our sermon series for Lent is going to involve examining our faith with the goal of helping all of us grow in our relationship with God. And we're calling the series Scandalous Truth. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote that Christ crucified is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Well, the words stumbling block are a translation of the ancient Greek word scandalon, from which we get scandal. Yeah, the good news of Jesus is such good news that it can often be scandalous, sometimes especially to religious people. As we examine our faith in this series, we're going to be asking some questions that you may wonder if it's safe to ask. And some of the questions, or the answers we suggest, may be a diff bit different from what you've always heard. Is that okay with you? <laughs> Well, that's what we're going to look at beginning today. Let's pray. See where we go. <clears throat> Lord, it's just so good to be here in your presence together. Yeah, we, we open ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, and to all you want to do in us. We want to grow in our relationship with you, Jesus. We want to grow to know you better, Father. And we want to grow in our openness to you, Holy Spirit. So we ask that today and all through this season of Lent, you would be at work in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, drawing us more deeply into our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read to you today from uh, Genesis. So as, as you can tell, we're, we're taking a step out of Ephesians. We'll come back to Ephesians after Lent and continue our series through that book. This is Genesis chapter 32, uh, beginning in verse 22. Speaking about uh, Jacob, so uh, says, that same night he arose, Jacob arose, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means the face of God. Uh, Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Well, this is one of the stranger stories in the Bible, and it's long been one of my favorites. Uh, Jacob is one of the three patriarchs of the people of Israel. His father was Isaac, his grandfather was Abraham. And Jacob was a bit of a con man in his earlier days, uh, especially his younger days. He had finagled his slightly older twin brother Esau into selling him the birthright, the inheritance that belonged to the oldest son for a bowl of stew. And then Jacob later disguised himself as Esau and tricked his dying father Isaac into giving him the blessing 
that Isaac thought he was giving to Esau. Which may not sound like that big of a deal to us today, but it was a really huge deal back then. So huge that Jacob knew he needed to flee or his brother would kill him. Jacob left home, uh, left his family, and he went to live with his uncle in a faraway land for decades. And there in that faraway land, God blessed everything Jacob did which in itself is a powerful message about God's love and grace for all of us. I mean, if God can bless this conniver Jacob, there's hope for me and you, right? Um, Jacob ends up with two wives, a boatload of kids, a bunch of servants, and enormous flocks of sheep and goats and donkeys, camels. He was a very wealthy man. And then one day he makes the decision to take all of his wealth and head back home. Well, the story I read took place during that journey, the return journey to, to where he came from. And there was just one problem with going home. Esau was still there. <laughs> Esau had done well for himself, too. Esau had a family. Uh, he had servants. He had flocks of his own. And Esau had always been a really good hunter, too. And Jacob had to have been thinking about that wondering just how mad at him Esau might still be. You know, in the brutal world of the ancient Near East, it would not have been unusual at all for Esau and his men to swoop down on Jacob's family and wipe them out. So Jacob was afraid. Jacob no doubt had some questions, maybe questions that were difficult to ask. Uh, questions that he was maybe afraid to ask, like, what's going to happen to us? You know, God, you, you said you'd be with me. Can I, can I actually trust that? Will you protect me? Or do I maybe deserve to die? Is what I did to Esau so bad? Am I such a bad person, God, that I actually deserve your wrath? I deserve to die. And underlying all of those questions, whether or not Jacob actually realized it was an even deeper question. What do you like, God? What do you actually like? Now, we all have ways of avoiding asking the questions we're afraid to ask. One good way to, uh, to avoid asking those questions is to keep busy. We fill our lives with plans and activities and events and social media and music and TV and anything else that we can to keep those questions from nagging us. Well, up to this point in the journey, Jacob had kept really busy. I mean, he was leading and directing an entire caravan across the wilderness. And being the shrewd deal maker that he was, he, he was also trying to figure out ways to fix the problem with Esau. Yeah, he was trying to manage the situation. He was trying to come up with some ways to, to win Esau's favor when they eventually met up. He hadn't had time to think about anything else yet. But now he was getting close to home. So in his fear, Jacob sent his family, his servants, his flocks, across the river. He, he wanted to protect them by, by putting the river uh, between his family and Esau's army, be like a barrier between them, because um, he was sure Esau was coming. So he sent them across the river 
And then Jacob was left alone in the night. Have you ever been alone in the night? You might have a spouse sleeping right next to you, but when you're lying awake at 2 or 3 in the morning, you can still feel pretty alone in the night, right? And that's when all those questions you've managed to keep buried under your busyness rise to the surface, don't they? You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) What questions do you have about faith, about the Bible, about God? that you've been afraid to ask. Jacob was alone in the night when suddenly, out of nowhere, he got body slammed. (laughs) He probably thought at first that it was Esau coming to kill him. But Jacob had been body slammed by the presence of God. And he wrestled with God until daybreak. So what is that story supposed to be teaching us? (laughs) Because stories like this one in the Bible are not there simply to tell us what happened. You know, the Bible isn't like a newscast, just reporting all the news that is news, in this case from about 4,000 years ago. The Bible is helping us to know who God is and who we are and how we can live as a result. So what is the story of Jacob wrestling with God supposed to be teaching us? thousand years or so after that night, a very wise person shared some of their wisdom in the second chapter of Proverbs. It reads, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it, as for, a hid, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I first started living as a follower of Jesus in my late teens, and by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I, I was thoroughly immersed in the life of the church. I was beginning to serve uh, as a leader, and, and it was great. I learned a lot during those years. I grew in a lot of ways. But by the time I was in my late 20s, I started to have some questions about some of what we were doing as a church. I was beginning to observe that in some ways, while we said we were helping people come to know God and listen to his voice and have a real relationship with Jesus, all too often it seemed like what we were really doing was primarily helping people learn a bunch of principles and follow a bunch of rules. It seemed like we were saying we had God and faith all figured out, and so people just needed to listen to us and do what we said. (laughs) And the sad thing was, many people were okay with that uh, because it seemed easier than actually interacting with God himself. So a couple of friends of mine and I started asking the pastor of our church some questions about all of that. And we found out pretty quickly that he didn't like us asking those questions. We weren't supposed to ask those questions and we were more or less told that we were bad Christians for asking them. That led to an interesting two or three years. But here's what I learned through that time. God was 
and always is perfectly okay with us asking those questions. And any questions at all, no matter how much they challenge what anyone thinks has already been figured out about God and what it means to follow Jesus. Amen? Yeah. In fact, God loves it when we ask those questions. That's what the wise writer in Proverbs had come to understand. He said again, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, it would be possible to read that passage in Proverbs and, and twist the meaning a bit so that we understand it as saying, just be quiet and obey. And all too often, I think, we believe that is what God is saying to us. But it's not. He's challenging us to cry out for wisdom, to seek insight, to seek understanding. And the only way you can do that is by asking the hard questions. What questions do you have about faith, about the Bible, about God that you've been afraid to ask? A couple of weeks ago I said that Jesus is calling us to trust the gospel so that we can live the gospel. Well, this goes hand in hand with that. Jesus is calling us to trust him, to trust who God is, to trust in God's goodness and love enough that we're willing to ask questions that might seem to challenge things that we've been taught. What Proverbs says is that then, when we're willing to ask those questions, then we'll come to understand the fear of the Lord. Then we'll come to understand what it means to truly reverence and worship our God. You know, not some watered-down, boxed-in version of God, but God as he truly is. Then we'll come to know God, and not just know about God, but really know God. And we'll know him as the good, good God that he is. Ask God hard questions. That's how you come to really know him. Have any, any of you watched the TV show, This Is Us? Just a few of you, Yeah. Lisa and I just finished the first season, so if you're in season two, don't tell us anything. Um, so, yeah. But it's an amazingly good show that deals with, I think, about, uh, deals with all the relational dynamics of this family, jumping back and forth between when the kids were growing up and now when they're adults and some of them have kids of their own. Um, and there's all sorts of things going on in the story, but one theme that comes up a lot is vulnerability. That vulnerability is an essential aspect of any loving relationship. That in a loving relationship, you need to be able to share everything about yourself and ask any questions that you might have. Well, if that's true with people, how much more is it true in our relationship with God, right? So what questions do you have about faith, about God, about the Bible that you've been afraid to ask? Ask God the hard questions. That's how you come to really know them. Jesus was teaching the crowds one day, and he said this. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Ask, seek, knock, call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. Don't give up. Don't chicken out. Don't settle for pat answers. That's a little joke. <laughs> Get that? See what I did there? Yeah. It's bad when you got to remind people that it's a joke, right? Our Father in heaven is willing to give us good things, good answers, fresh understanding and insight and wisdom. And he gives it to who? The people who do what? people who ask him, right? But here's a warning. Those good answers are not always the ones you expect to hear. They're not always going to be what you have always heard. And that can be unsettling at first. Jacob wrestled with God all night long. He wouldn't let go of God until he got his blessing. You know, Jacob was asking, he was seeking, he was knocking, he was crying out for insight and understanding. Jacob wanted to know God. He wanted to know if he really could trust him completely. Could he entrust his family and all that he had to God completely? He wanted answers and he wouldn't give up. Well, Jacob walked away from that night with a limp and a new name. Probably neither one was the answer he expected they both might have been a bit unsettling. But Jacob also walked away from that night knowing God better than he ever had before. And if you want to know what happens when he meets his brother Esau, you can go later on today and read Genesis 33, get the rest of the story. You know, I'm looking forward to this season of Lent. You know, I'm looking forward to having us ask some questions as a church and listen to some answers that may not always be what we expect to hear. But those answers will always be gospel. Incredibly good news. And more than anything, I'm excited about us coming to know God better than we've ever known Him before. It's a great season for that. Now, there's a lot of different types of questions that you might want to ask God. Yeah, we'd love to know what your questions are, too. So you, if during this series, anytime during Lent, I mean, really, anytime, but especially during this series, you could write down any questions you have on a piece of note paper, drop them in the Connect Card basket on your way out or the offering basket, bring the offering, and that would be helpful for us as we're thinking about what to teach on in the future. So always feel free to write down your questions, and if, like I said, they come up during this series, be sure to get them to us or email them to me. The questions we're going to be talking about during this series are not the hot-button social issue kinds of questions. Our questions will all be different aspects of that deep underlying question that Jacob was asking. What are you really like, God? What are you really like? So let's be open to asking God some hard questions and maybe be surprised that by just how good the good news really is. Amen?